0: Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It's a teaching tutorial Thursday presented by DraftKings, America's number one rated sportsbook app and DFS app. Already a Thursday, which means it's a Greg Cosell day, primarily getting his thoughts, and I need a lot of them, on the conference championship games. Kind of cool that we have this opportunity to really reflect back and look back on those two gigantic games Want to get Greg's thoughts on Mahomes, on Brady's interceptions, on Josh Allen's performance. There's a lot we got to get to with our guy GC in a little bit. How about this, though? Already Thursday, which means tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. We're giving away winners. Tomorrow, tomorrow's a winner's Friday. Uh, No idea off the top of my head, by the way. What that song is from. That's Annie, right? That's Annie, like the musical Annie, I think. I must have gone and I must have watched that with my daughters at some point in the last year or so. Anyway, I digress, as they say. Spread the word, winner. Let me just tell you, I haven't picked it out yet this week. So today would be a good day to retweet or like or whatever on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL or at Ross Tucker Pod. You could very easily be tomorrow's winner. And get a signed press pass picture card whatever you want sponsor confirmation email winner look 100 flowers is a no-brainer this week 100 flowers.com code football that's a no-brainer perfect thing to get people for valentine's day even if you get them something else like my front page story or something you still should get them flowers trust me we'll have the youtube cameo style shout out tomorrow as well just make sure you're subscribed and commenting on our YouTube over YouTube.com/slash Ross Tucker NFL. No new patrons the last couple of days makes me sad. Patreon.com/slash RT Media. It is big show time. The big show. All right, so it is big show time, which means it's Greg Cosell time like it is every Thursday. Greg, there's a lot to dive into. I should mention, today's segment is presented by DraftKings. Early point spread on the Super Bowl. The Chiefs are laying three points. The total is 56.5. I should mention, though, the thing I've been telling you about on the other shows this week, Fantasy Feats, even money as it relates to DraftKings, all users, it's not just new users, all users will get an instant prize from three dollars to twenty five thousand dollars, just for doing their Super Bowl prediction pool on the regular DraftKings app it doesn't have to be a, a state where you have sports book, which is pretty awesome. And then uh, it's for the fourth quarters. You can even do it during the first three games. You just it, it's they're all fourth quarter questions. It's just Super Bowl predictions. Pretty awesome. That's on the regular DraftKings app. All right. Speaking of awesome, Greg, love <laughs> when we can really dive into these games that I know you've already. Watched, you've got thoughts. You need to check out Greg on social at Greg Cosell because then you know when the matchup show is and what the other stuff Greg's doing. All right, I guess I want to start with this Greg, the Tom Brady interceptions, two of them were especially weird, (laughs) especially bad. Weird, (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, especially. Unlike Brady. I mean, you know, the one he was kind of falling off his back foot. The other one, I think he thought he looked off the safety Adrian Amos, and he didn't. But those were like the the middle one went off Mike Evans' hands. Okay, Jair Alexander picked it off. Okay. But the first and third were about as bad interceptions as you'd see from anybody, let alone Brady. Well, the one in particular that that I remember, I think it was
1: Alexander's first interception And that was the one where Savage blitzed and no one picked him up. And Brady threw the fade. He basically just threw up the fade to Evans and Alexander made the pick on on what was obviously an inaccurate throw. Um, And I think that's what's particularly interesting. And we're not going to break down the Super Bowl just yet, but the pressure concept, because one thing we do know about the Chiefs and we'll talk about the Chiefs versus the Bills, obviously, in a moment. But one thing we know about the Chiefs and Steve Spagnuolo is he has become a very blitz-heavy defensive coach with this particular team. And, again, he could be doing that because he knows that his team will put up 30 or 35 every week for the most part, and he feels, hey, I'm going to blitz, and if I give one up, who cares? Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, I didn't think Brady – played great football although he did have uh because I was charting this he did have nine completions of 12 or more yards and seven of those nine came on third down uh, their pass game was outstanding on third down and it began with the first possession of the game wow say that stat again Greg that's significant uh Brady had uh seven completions of 12 or more yards on third down think about that for a minute and and It started right on the first possession. They had three third-down conversions, all on third and long. Um, Evans, 27 yards, Godwin, 14 yards, and the Evans, 15-yard touchdown. And the Packers played man coverage on all three third-and-long snaps. And one of the things that was interesting in that game was the Packers played far more snaps of man coverage, Ross, than zone coverage, and they were a much higher percentage zone coverage defense during the season. So they went away from their seasonal tendency and played far more man coverage in the NFC Championship game.
0: Man, I I mean, as you're talking, Greg, I got a million more questions going through my head. Um, One of which I would say is, so Brady had nine completions of 12 or more yards, seven of which were on third down. Correct. Wow, that's really that's really impressive. The thing about the man coverage is, Greg, Kevin King had a terrible game. Uh, I mean, yeah. and he was questionable to play with a back injury. Right, so I don't right. know if it's his back or what, but, like, the first Mike Evans touchdown, he timed it so poorly, his jump. Yeah, he the got beat the on that. Of that was one
1: blitz, and he had, he had uh, Evans.
0: Yeah, the, the one at the end of the first half. Now, I didn't go back and watch the coaching tape. Did he sit at, like, the well, sticks, or did he think that they were going to run a, an out to try
1: to get the field goal? That was my thought watching the tape, was that because it's easy. Look, bottom line is you can't get, let a receiver get on top of you in that situation, bottom line. But I think the, the defensive design, because it was single high, not two shell, I think that they probably were playing – the quick seven, eight yard speed out to get closer to field goal range, uh, which is a valid strategy. But no matter what strategy you're playing, Ross, you cannot
0: let a receiver get on top of you in that situation. Right. In other words, you can play single high. You can think that they're going to run the out, but you can't let them run by you.
1: Right. I mean, you're not going to intercept the out. So you can't play it as if, hey, I'm going to make a big time play on on the speed out. If they want to throw a speed out for six yards in that situation, you're basically giving that to them. But again, I'm not a second guesser, but a lot of people have spoken about the fact that there were eight seconds to go and there were no timeouts. So you number the first thing you can't do is let anybody get behind you and the second thing you want to have happen is you want the ball in the middle of the field because then time runs out you can't get the field goal unit on the field in five seconds uh that's been timed and and coaches know that it takes 17 seconds approximately to get a field goal unit on the field for a proper operation of a field goal kick so you want to make sure the ball is thrown in the middle of the field that runs out the clock
0: you know and also, the other thing I wanted to – I mean, I got a million things. I told you this. But <laughs> while you mention about spags and the pressure, yes, uh, there's no qu- – I think what jumped out to me watching that game, Chiefs, Bills, and I was there, we know how good the Bills receivers are against man-to-man coverage typically. I don't know that I realized, Greg – just how good the chief secondary is they 're good, I mean speed they 're good, I think that 's one of the reasons why spag's pressures more. They might not be household names, but their d b s their corners in particular are good well it 's funny you say that
1: because I thought Ward really was good last year, he was kind of an unknown. no one really heard of Ward, but I thought that um uh, he was really good a year ago in 2019 and they don't match up their corners. Ward plays left corner. Breeland is the right corner. Sneed's the slot corner. Um, but yes, I think that was one of the things that for a lot of people who just look at the chiefs and think Patrick Mahomes, understandably, they don't realize that these corners can line up and play man and they play a good amount of man coverage. And in this game, they certainly did. They played high percentage man coverage uh and, cover one was their foundation. I mean, they really played a lot of snaps of cover one and they come after you. And they've basically been doing that since Spags got there a year ago. As I said, he could be doing that because he knows that his offense puts up points or that could just be a philosophy now with this group that he has, but they come after you. Look, they played Tom Brady. And we'll get more into this next week. They played Tom Brady last year when he was with new England uh, and they blitzed a lot, and then people say, oh, he's got Brady's number. Well, it's not that. He does this every week. He does it no matter who the opponent is. He does it every week.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, and that leads into maybe one of my next questions, which is watching it, it didn't feel like Josh Allen played particularly well with, you know, taking the sack, the intentional grounding, had a yeah. couple no other throws that should have been picked. Etc. threw it high to Diggs on a third down once. But when you went back and watched the coaching tape, how much of it was Josh Allen and how much of it was his receivers were not really getting the separation that he's used to?
1: I think it's a combination, but I thought Josh missed some throws in this game. Um, I thought that there were some that were, that were there to be made. There was one down the left sideline, a vertical throw to Diggs that if he really placed it well, as he has done through clearly the large, large part of this season that it likely would have been a touchdown. And I I know it was in the second half. I don't know if it would have dramatically changed the game, but I know it was in the second half. Um, Yeah, he missed some. But you're right, the coverage, Antonio Romo kept saying this, and it's a good word. He kept saying it was sticky. When they played man coverage, it was sticky. Uh, And there were not a lot of clearly defined throws versus man coverage in this game. Uh, so the, the Chiefs' corners did a really, really good job. And as I said, you know, we'll talk about this, I guess, next week in relation to the Bucks. But Spags has a distinct profile now, especially out of Dime. This team plays a lot of six defensive backs, Ross. And they play man coverage and they pressure. And they're very multiple with their pressure concepts. Now, there's two other things that they do a good amount of. They pressure, they have zone pressures where they kind of play like a quarters match behind it. And then the other thing they do is they play disguised cover two, late movement to get to cover two, where Matthew is the middle hole defender, and he's so good, Matthew. You can
0: use him in almost any role, and he's really good. He is a terrific, instinctual football player. You know, the other thing about the Chiefs, Greg, is, I think you helped him out. I think I think what happened is last week, Patrick Mahomes heard what you said on the, <laughs> yeah, the sure. podcast. <laughs> you said he's, he hasn't played that great over the last month. It looked to me, Greg, like he played pretty great on Sunday. Yeah, he did. And, and it's so funny you mentioned that because, of course, when
1: I said that, uh, the Twitter responses obviously were not very positive. You know, I, I didn't know. Of course, I didn't know anything, and I'm an idiot. But that's, that's – you know, hey, that's the way it goes. But – um I thought Mahomes. Look, I thought the Bills did a good job. They got pressure on him, and he made some throws in the face of pressure where he, he was falling down. He, I mean, he just he made those Mahomes plays. Um, and and then you know the issue is when you play the Chiefs is even when you feel like your defense is sound, you know the, the seventy one yard at a hill was just your basic RPO. I mean, he hits Hill on a seven yard slant route and he, it becomes 71 yards. And then you get the Hardman play for 50 yards. You know, it's those plays that kill you. Uh, and, and that's the problem with the Chiefs is you feel pretty good. Hey, we're going to keep everything in front. Yeah. Let Kelsey catch 10 balls for a hundred yards. No big plays there, but it's those the ability to make those big plays uh, that really kill you. And, and, at the end of the day, it looks like the, the Bills defense played poorly. I don't know if they played poorly. I think they just there were some big plays that just caught them.
0: You know, I'm to the point now, Greg, where I almost feel like a team should play like a triangle and two against the uh against the the Chiefs to use a basketball term. Right. Double Kelsey, double Tyree kill and have your other seven play the other. the offense is nine. Well, then, then you have to feel okay with –
1: you can double two. You can't double more than two on any given play, but you can double two if you choose to. Um, uh, and, in fact, it's funny you say that. We'll talk about this more. The Bucks in week 12 when they played the Chiefs had snaps in which they did double Kelsey and Hill. Um, so we'll see if Todd Bowles does that in the Super Bowl. But you can double two. You can't double more than two. You don't have enough. People,
0: So um, I want to ask you about Aaron Rodgers' performance. Yep. What did you see from Rodgers on Sunday? I thought Rodgers played pretty good. I mean, you know, I think that
1: uh, – look, Todd Bowles had a very defined game plan, particularly on third down. Um, and third down is usually considered the key down in the game. You know, we just talked about that with Brady and his ability to convert on third down and how important that was for the Bucks. Well, on third down, what Todd Bowles did was – he played two-man coverage, which is two deep safeties and man-to-man across the board. And at times, he doubled Adams with one of those safeties um, when Adams was in the slot. Not when Adams was outside, but when Adams was in the slot. And it was four-man D-line pressures. Everybody talks about the Bucks blitz, but in this game, there are a lot of four-man D-line pressures. They often use Sue kind of at times as a stand-up joker, and he moved around. And, look, all five of their sacks came on four-man D-line rushes. They did not come on pressure. Um, Barrett had uh, two, uh, I believe, or three. Barrett had three, and it all those all came in this two-man coverage concept. And Pierre-Paul had two. They came on a four-man D-line rush, but those had cover three behind it. So the the blitz was not a big factor in, in this game for the Bucs anyway.
0: No, and it didn't need to be because their DNs could beat the active tackles. And by the way, I think their DNs might be able to beat the Chiefs' tackles in the Super Bowl. So I I wouldn't be surprised if we see something similar. Great
1: matchup there because Fisher, obviously, it's a shame uh, that Fisher's out. Um, So, yeah, you're right. I think that's something to really focus on in the Super Bowl. So,
0: Greg, two other things I wanted to ask you about, two guys. Uh, We'll dive into the Super Bowl next week, obviously. Matthew Stafford it's reported that you know he and the Lions are m- going to mutually part ways your thoughts on where Stafford is in his career what type of offense might be a good fit for him give me what you got on Stafford love Stafford this past summer you know being home I,
1: I actually watched and I've watched him all throughout his career obviously that's what I do but this summer being home I watched every one of his dropbacks from 2019 when he only played eight games. So I really studied him carefully. And obviously I watched him this year as well. I really think Stafford has special traits. And, and again, obviously he's not won a playoff game, not been in a Super Bowl, so he's not talked about that way, Ross. But I think if you talk to people, and the film shows this, that's the key thing, the film shows this. He really has special traits. I think he's a really high-level quarterback. He he can throw it with anybody from the pocket. He's got better movement skills. Those are not talked about with him. We know he's tough as nails. If you look throughout his career, he lines up and plays. Um, he has durability. Look look at what he did this year when he got hurt. And he said, hey, I got to be out there. You know, that, that's my job. I got to be out there. And and they were obviously going nowhere. So I think he's a really high level quarterback. And I don't, you know, again, you hear a lot of teams being bandied about is where he's going. We don't know that. But I'll just give you my thought on this. I think that if you're a team that needs a quarterback and you have a fairly high draft pick, I would trade for Matthew Stafford way before I would draft a quarterback in the top six or seven. That's because Matthew Stafford's going to play for four or five more years at at a high level, barring anything unforeseen. You know, I certainly would do that rather than take Justin Fields and hope he becomes a good player. You know, Matthew Stafford is a really high level player.
0: Um, What about Jason Witten retiring, Greg? Can you give me a thought on Witten uh, and his career?
1: Yeah, Jason Witten to me was one of the most fascinating tight ends to watch because Jason Witten was never athletic in the way we think now of the Travis Kelseys of the world. He was not that guy. But Jason Witten was a master at understanding how to run routes against man and use his body and use leverage, really understood how to get open against zone, big physical, you know, not explosive run after catch, but a powerful man. We all remember, I think it was against the Eagles before they stopped plays when his helmet came off and he ran 40 yards. I mean, and a terrific blocker in the run game, just an all around great, great tight end, um, Without being an explosive, exceptional athlete. You know, not a bad athlete, but you were so used to the NFL now to seeing wide receiver, excuse me, tight ends split outside, running what used to be considered wide receiver routes. He wasn't necessarily that guy, although he did run seam routes quite a bit in his prime.
0: Really looking forward, Greg, to breaking down the Super Bowl with you next week. Should be absolutely awesome. Obviously, a million different angles to get into. Thank you so much, as always. Ross, really appreciate it. Thank you. There he is, Greg Cosell. Love break getting the Greg Cosell breakdown. That's interesting. You know, he thinks you should draft, uh, you should trade for Stafford rather than drafting a quarterback. There's a lot to get to there. We're scheduled to have, by the way, Adam Schefter on tomorrow's Ross Tucker football podcast. I want to ask Adam about the quarterback movement. I'm curious whether or not Matthew Stafford wants a new contract or not. I also want to make sure that those of you that didn't get the email or didn't see the email know that every couple weeks we're going to do a new YouTube show. I think we're going to call it Football Feedback with Ross Tucker would be my guess. And you guys will get the link that we use, the video link. It'll be a YouTube-only show. And you'll get to come on ask me any question you'd like. All you have to do... To I think we might have one or two spots left. Just rate and review any of our shows, even money, fantasy feasts, whatever. Just rate and review them. And then send me the screenshot, Ross, at com, And you can be a part of our first one, football feedback. Be awesome. Let's get to some takes, Bri. Tuck's Takes.
2: Morning, Ross. Well, it appears that there are no more head coach openings in the NFL. The Houston Texans poised to hire assistant head coach, wide receiver coach, David Cully from the Baltimore Ravens.
0: Very interesting. To my knowledge, I don't believe he interviewed anywhere else. You know, he's not a quote unquote hot name. So I appreciate the fact that the Ravens cast a wide net, interviewed a bunch of people, and they came away most impressed with Coley. Um, you know, he he's the first black man to be hired as a head coach this cycle, and I guess the last, because it's the last one of the openings. Yeah. And the other thing I think is interesting is like he he not only gets interviewed, he gets hired, but didn't get interviews other places, and nobody even interviewed Wink Martindale or Greg Roman from the Ravens, the two coordinators. So I can't say. The only thing I would say about that is, and by the way, congratulations to David Coley. This has nothing to do with him, but the word must get out on certain guys. You know, like the the word must spread that this guy's not a great interview or this guy's not what you're looking for. Because I I just can't. I don't see another explanation at this point for why some of these guys don't even get interviews. But kudos to Coley. Sounds like they're going to keep the OC there that Deshaun Watson likes, which is significant. And they're trying to bring in Josh McCown, Lovie Smith. So I'll be curious to see the staff he can put together.
2: Seahawks lineman Chad Wheeler arrested for domestic violence and released with a $400,000 bond.
0: So Wheeler was going to be a free agent The Seahawks waived him anyway, which is really just ceremonials. He's going to be a free agent uh, at the end of his contract anyway. It's really, really scary, sad, awful details if you read it. I'm not going to get into it here, but it appears Wheeler has some type of mental health issue. And I guess even the victim said that very, very scary situation. Very, very scary. And... Uh, I'll leave it at that. You know, no matter what his situation is, I don't really feel like guys like that should get a second opportunity in the NFL.
2: Eli Manning looking to get back uh with the New York Giants in some sort of role, obviously not on the field.
0: Right. He'll end up having some ambassador role or something. Uh and I don't know how heavily involved he'd be with. The football part of it, probably minimally, but my guess it'll be some type of role like what Dan Marino has with the Dolphins, where you know he's a part of a lot of the sales functions and around the team, maybe mentoring guys i think I think that sounds like fun you know it's not like a grind hours wise, but you can still provide value to the organization. It sounds good to me tux takes.
2: There's an open camp battle with quarterbacks, Jared Goff and John Walford, coming from, uh, for the Rams if they can't trade Goff.
0: That was an Ian Rappaport report, Rappaport report, and that is interesting. I think they'll have a tough time trading Jared Goff. He's still got a pretty significant salary this year. I don't see a team... Like, if you're going to take that kind of dead cap hit if you're the Rams, and you've got him for that much on the books... Why would you think another team would want to trade for that? It's unlikely. So I feel the same way about like Carson Wentz or some of these other guys. It's just amazing to think that John Walford was in the AAF and Goff was the number one pick, took a team to a Super Bowl, makes $34 million a year, and they might have a, a quarterback competition. I still submit to you, I think they're trying to light a fire under Golf a little bit.
2: You and Greg already talked about it, but any other thoughts about Jason Witten retiring from the NFL after 17 seasons?
0: Well, only two thoughts. One is playing 17 years in the NFL at any position is ridiculous. In particular at a position where you're subjected to physical punishment as much as tight end. You know, the blocking they getting hit after you catch a ball. It's it's beyond impressive. And he's one of the last guys I can say this about, Bry, He was a former teammate. Jason Winton, Jason Peters, Tom Brady. It's 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 slim pickings at this point for guys I can say were former teammates. And by the way, if they're a former teammate and they're still playing now, they're like an unbelievable Hall of Fame caliber player to be able to play that long. Kudos to Jason Witten. Uh, let's get you an email, Brian. By the way, I mentioned it briefly earlier, myfrontpagestory.com, probably the greatest Valentine's Day gift ever. Send them flowers from one flowers using the code football and then get them a story at myfrontpagestory.com. It'll be their happiest Valentine's Day of their lives. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to Ask Ross. Love, 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 love answering your questions. Whether it's here, and we try to do it as often as we can, or the new YouTube show we'll have, football feedback, the email address is ross at com. If you're a patron or you take advantage of any sponsors ever, Send me an email, ross at com. I guarantee to read and respond on the show. What do you got, Brian?
2: This, uh, this question comes from Mike from Chicago. Hey, Ross, uh, as a player, did you or other players ever take note of the betting line of your upcoming game, whether you were a favorite or underdog and by how much? Did, did that ever impact your team's motivation in cases where you were the underdog and maybe felt slighted? If not back then, do you think that happens more today now that betting is more mainstream? Uh, P.S. Go Bills, and um, also he sent in a confirmation from one flowers using that promo code FOOTBALL.
0: Awesome, Mike. Love it. Thank you very much. Never looked at the betting line, never heard guys talking about it, never aware of it unless the coach brought it up. So if we were like heavy underdogs the coach might bring it up and say it's disrespectful. You know, they've got you guys as 12-point underdogs, 12 points. you got to be kidding me. You know, something like that. But even that, maybe only once or twice. It wasn't as big of a thing from 2001 through 2007. And I don't know if it happens more today. My guess is probably – I think guys are more aware of the betting lines now because they're they're more prevalent. They're more out there. I will say this. Brian, did I ever tell you the story of my first college football game ever and what my dad said to me?
2: No, but before you say that, I was just thinking you were probably never a 12-point underdog with the Patriots.
0: No, definitely not. But we probably were in Dallas or in Buffalo at times or whatever. Um, my first game, my freshman year was, you know, September something, 1997. I had just graduated in June. I'm 18 years old. I'm on the punt team and the field goal extra point team as a backup defensive end for Princeton University. Number 99, number 99 in your program, number one in your heart. And back then, Bri, they'd have all the Division I betting lines. And I think the only 1AA betting lines they would have were the Ivy League. Like it was posted in the newspaper. The Ivy League betting lines. Probably because all the Wall Street guys like to bet money on the games. You know, their alma maters or whatever. I'll never forget that week, my dad said, Hey, Ross, if I give you the signal let your guy block the punt. I'm going to put money on Cornell. If I get, if I give you the signal, let your guy, I was like, dad, he's like, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He just thought it was funny though, that the Princeton Cornell game had a betting line to it. And his 18 year old son, like could theoretically impact the outcome of the game could impact people's bets. And I could have brought like, I like, Theoretically, I could have let my guy block the punt and affected the game. Like It's just kind of crazy to think that people are betting whatever sums of money on 18-year-olds. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and that could have obviously been at, at any conference, any any
0: school. Right, and especially like college basketball, where you can still win the game – but just not win it by as much. Like, there's a lot of opportunity if you're laying 10 points, like in college basketball, theoretically, to, all right, I'm going to make sure we win, but last couple possessions down, I can brick up threes, or I can maybe let the guy steal the ball from me. You know, point shaving is what they call it. There's a lot more opportunities there. I mean, college football, it's kind of hard to shave points. But anyway, I just thought that, was a funny story. My dad didn't notice that. Just kind of crazy to think about when you think about it that way. Shoutouts are in order to Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, Steakhouseports.com, Vision Comics with an X, DinerDepot.com. Really encourage you to listen to the Even Money podcast this week to hear what Steve Fezzik had to say about the math regarding the coaching decisions from the conference championship game. I think you guys will enjoy that. Uh, Joe Dolan and I went over some of the fantasy football takeaways from the conference championship game. Started to talk about some of the best ball stuff that we'll get into. Love me some best ball. So check out those shows. Emery Hunt was all over the Senior Bowl and the Hula Bowl on the College Draft podcast. If you want to prepare yourself for those all-star games this weekend. Other than that, as mentioned, should have Adam Schefter on tomorrow's show. I'll pick his brain on the quarterback carousel. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, rostucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.